Oh, hello, Am Bush, and today we are joined by an incredible country singer, song writer, who had to take a little bit of a break after forming, after building her music career for about six years. She got a little bit of a uh, surprise leukemia diagnosis after four years, though. After a little bit of uh, some stem cell therapy, she is back at it. She's back on that song, writing a path. Blazing her own story, a new chapter here. And the new chapter starts with a new single entitled Don't. The guest here today is Cadence Grace. How's it going today, Cadence? Hey, Colton, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it is an absolute pleasure. I'm loving the new single. I can't wait to dive into it. So uh, how do you say uh, we get we get into the music here? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Perfect. Perfect. So, of course, as I mentioned, you had to take a little bit of a break from uh, songwriting, releasing music, getting out there and everything that comes with it. So I guess my first question has to be, when exactly did you begin to uh, get back behind a guitar, get back behind a pen and a pad of paper and actually start to uh, put some emotions back down? Yeah. I mean, cancer is such a journey. And and for me, my recovery was just so challenging that, you know, when you're in like fight or flight, creativity is kind of the first thing that dies and, and you just kind of can't access that part of your brain. So for me, you know, it took close to, I, I want to say like three years after my transplant for me to start kind of like just moving through the abject and like immediate like trauma and emotions and recovery to a place where I felt like I was ready to even like talk about those things and to kind of dive back into like writing and, and getting in touch with how I was feeling and get that out on, on paper. Um, so it was a lot longer than I expected. You know, I honestly, I didn't even really listen to music a lot for like the first year or two after my transplant because my career just, I mean, it stopped kind of like in its tracks and it was honestly so painful because it just felt like the band and I were on such a great trajectory and there was definitely some like grief associated with that. So yeah, I kind of was avoiding music for a long time until, you know, like usual, my parents are always my saviors and they kind of were you know, like slowly nudging me, like maybe you should give it a try. Like how, what can we do to help you? So they helped me buy some recording equipment and, and we decided to take a songwriting class together. And that's how we ended up writing Don't. And it kind of like just lit this fire back up inside of me that was like, oh, I'm crazy. Like, what am I doing? I got to go back to music. Like, this is where, this is where I feel like I'm at home. So kind of like needed that moment to reconnect and just see like, you know, I haven't lost it. It's still there. I still love it. Like, let's, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that one thing that I sort of want to stop and acknowledge there is you mentioned uh, support systems. You mentioned sort of the difficult moments and some of the things that come with it, but also that thing that sort of helps you get through it. And that's a solid support system. So uh, shout out to all of the uh, supportive partners, the parents out there in the world who are helping people through difficult times like these, because you're hearing it right now. This, this matters. Totally. And, you know, I always say that the country music community is like a family and it just couldn't be more true. I honestly 
what kept me going through all of the challenges was just, you know, every once in a while, somebody would check in or people would send me messages. And I mean, I really openly shared my journey on my blog with people and, and kind of just exposed my whole experience. And I, I was afraid of doing those things. But in the end, I think what I discovered was really being open and honest about like who I was, what I was going through and, and what that looked like for me kind of created like an even deeper connection between like myself and, and the people in the country community. And I mean, like if love can keep somebody alive, like 100 percent, it kept me going. Hey, hey, it's a uh, love is a beautiful thing. It's a magical thing. And so is music. Yeah, definitely. Hey, and of course, you're like you mentioned, your parents love for you, their support for you. Uh, they they sign up for a music a song writing course with you, and of course, uh, they get a little bit of a song writing credit here on your return single. So, what was it like to uh, sort of write a s track with your parents, especially one that's sort of about like you know exes and otherwise? <laughs> It was kind of interesting because the the approach that they were teaching in this class to songwriting was definitely different than I have ever approached it. It was almost like kind of like reverse engineering the song where you start with like a loop or a beat and, and you work like backwards from that with kind of just like mumbling a melody. And, and then you start solidifying like lines that you think work with what's there. And so kind of like don't just kept coming back up in like our mumbles. And so we were like, all right, where can we go with this? Because it feels like it like fits with the melody. And I had kind of, I have like this ex who, I mean, we're friends, but it's always kind of like a joke that we've, you know, stayed in touch over the 10 years that we've been apart. And uh, I kind of thought, well, it'd be fun to like write a song about that experience and about how, you know, like maybe you're in a different place than them and you finally moved on. And uh, yeah, it just kind of like all came out together. And it was really what I found the coolest is it was unintentional at the time. But when I listened back to the song, like the different ways that we were able to use the word don't in the lyrics was like really, really cool to me. It was kind of like an excessive alliteration, but I, I really love it. Um, I mean, you say the word excessive, but as somebody who is a fan of wordplay, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Just like the different weaving ways of like, you think I need you? Uh-uh. You want to yeah, yeah. text me? Don't even think about it. Like, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, it, it made me very happy as a, as a fan of wordplay for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and of course, there's a, a pretty fantastic music video that also came out with this track. Actually came out a little bit before the single uh, with the uh, CBC Searchlight contest there. So in terms of the music video, sort of take us behind the scenes of a uh, putting this together? Who helped you to craft this side of the single? Yeah, this was probably the craziest video experience that I've ever had because, I mean, we cut this song and then I knew I wanted to enter Searchlight and there was like a really, like the deadline was like five days. And I was like, okay, well, like I need this song recorded and I need a video in like five days. So we had only had the demo done, just like the crappy like iPhone demo. And I called up Tim Deegan and I was like, hey, like I have this idea and I want to shoot a music video. And like, can we do it in two days? And can I shoot it in your house? Because he has like just this beautiful home, uh, like an old church that they converted into a home and like this amazing white, like baby grand piano. And I just thought this is like perfect. And he was just so great. He was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Like, let's make it happen. 
And he was just so great to work with. And I, uh, I, you know, I mean, I'm sure it might come across as like a little bit crass, but I wanted a guy to be in the video that was kind of like, you know, in the concept, like periphery so that like, you can see that I've got someone new or whatever, but like, you know, you don't. And I asked my husband to be in the video and he was like, no, like, I'm so busy this week. Like I can't make it work. And he was said, you know, but what would be really funny and, and great is if you asked your ex-boyfriend, because I'm, you know, I feel like he would be down for that. So, you know, I texted him and I was like, Hey, I want to be in a music video. And I mean, he's such a great sport. So he was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So, uh, yeah, I put my ex in the music video and he's kind of like my periphery guy. And it was just, it was so, so much fun and, and just a really cool, cool way to bring it to life. And the whole time we were just hoping, I mean, I hope that by the time we produce this song, that it sounds like something close enough to the demo so that like everything syncs up, but it just, oh, it worked perfect. Uh, I'd say so too. And I actually had read that uh, little tidbit inside the details of the YouTube video there. And I was like, really? Okay, cool. I mean, I guess that's one of those moments where you're thankful an ex texted you back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was so funny because I mean, we dated like way back forever and we had broken up kind of like right before I shot one of my very first music videos. And he was like always so mad that he didn't get to be in that music video. I just like hired a random extra. So I kind of was like, Hey, it's like finally your chance to be in one of my music videos. Like you want to do it? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So no, he was great. He's, you know, he's a really great guy. Oh, that's fantastic. Very glad to hear that he was a game to help out and came out with a fantastic music video to go along with this song. And of course, the song itself has been out for about uh, just over a month now that it's been out on DSPs here. So you mentioned the incredible community that is country music. I'm sure you've had some fans who have been waiting around to get their uh, next listen to some Cadence Grace, waiting for you to uh, heal and get back into the groove. So what has the reception been like uh, to this return to the music? Honestly, it's been really overwhelming. I mean, what kind of kept me going in those dark moments was visualizing myself, like creating again and being back on stage. But I mean, admittedly, when I was visualizing those things, it was as part of Runaway Angel. And, and I was really hoping that at the end of everything, we would be able to continue as a band. But obviously, my recovery took like years, which none of us were expecting. So it kind of meant we were all in different places by the time I was kind of ready to get creating again. So, you know, as awesome as it's been to come back as a solo artist and, and just be welcomed with open arms, it's also like a very strange experience because I spent, you know, seven years making music with my best friends and to go back to doing it alone is uh, it's like daunting and kind of scary. I mean, I admittedly have the worst stage fright and I've had it since I was a kid and I just kept thinking like, okay, one day this is going to go away, but it never did. But when I was in the band with, you know, Stacey and Anne, whenever I was on stage, it was kind of like, Oh, well, I'm like, I'm just up here with my friends having a good time. It didn't feel as like vulnerable as it does to me when I am performing alone. So it's definitely been a change, but I mean, I'm just so glad that I got welcomed back with open arms and everybody's, you know, loved the single and and just so excited that like I made it through everything and I'm back. I think it's kind of like a comeback story that everybody can, can be inspired by that, you know, you can make it through 
the hardest stuff and and still find joy uh, in your second life. I hear the true comeback kid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And of course, you mentioned there too, the ability to uh, get back up on stage and otherwise. So what has that been like? Because I'm sure that you probably missed uh, that side of things as well. Yeah, I definitely miss performing. And like I said, you know, visualizing being back on stage and singing for people again. I mean, when I'm singing, I feel like I'm connected to the universe in a way that I don't feel at any other time. And and like, that's my kind of like magic place. And I think that's what makes it so vulnerable for other people is that like, I'm kind of in my own world when I'm singing. And, you know, it's almost like I'm having like this private experience and to share it with other people makes me feel very vulnerable, but it's just been, it's been great. Honestly, I just, I, I kind of can't believe that it took me so long to get back to music now that I'm doing it because, you know, I just realized how much I love it, how much it is just like an intrinsic part of who I am. And I mean, I guess at the time it was just too hard to go there, but you know, now that I'm back, it just, it feels great. Hey, when the time was right, right? Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, exactly. And of course, we mentioned the aspects of live music. We talk about the aspects of the community that is country music. And of course, September 2022, I believe in Calgary, uh, the 8th to the 12th, if I'm getting these dates wrong, CCMAs, don't, don't punish me. It's going down the Canadian Country Music Awards, Canadian Country Music a Week. You actually happen to be showcasing in Calgary as a part of these events. So what is it uh, like? What's the anticipation like to uh, get back in with that community? Fully immerse yourself once again. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, CCMAs are like the highlight of my year. I don't think people realize how connected the community really is. And I mean, we gig all year or play festivals and stuff. So, I mean, you see each other in passing at shows or whatever, but I mean, CCMAs is where we get together as like a family and like catch up and, and actually see how everybody's doing and see our friends and have a good time. And I'm just really excited. And I'm taking my mom like always. I mean, she's gone with me to every CCMA since I started going to, you know, more than 10 years ago. So it's just really cool to be going and, and take her with me. We're like debating maybe road tripping it because I know air, airports are kind of wild right now. So, you know, and you can't go to CCMAs without taking a whole suitcase of shoes. So it's uh, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you've got to have like, you know, four days. You've got to have exactly. like, what, 16 outfits. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's absolutely right. right. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm pretty sure it'll be an epic uh, cross-country journey if that's what you guys end up deciding to do. Maybe you can uh, write some more songs while you're on the road, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's so cool because, I mean, my parents are both very, very into music, and my mom always wanted to be a singer, and my dad is just like, he's got like the craziest vinyl collection. I mean, they turned me into such a music lover, but I just like, once we wrote that song, I kind of was, I felt so bad. I was like, how have we not done this until now? Like we should have been writing songs together like my whole life, you know, but when you're young, you kind of have that attitude that like you need to write with like published writers or established writers or go to Nashville. And, and that's what I spent like 10 years doing. But I mean, after my experience and I mean, obviously my parents went through everything with me and it was very hard for them too. I, I kind of wanted to create something together. And what that made me realize is 
I mean, everybody has a story, but not everybody has the ability or, or the medium to share that story or express that story. And now I'm kind of like excited to maybe write with unexpected people and, and see how we can tell their story instead of, you know, like kind of doing that like formulaic, like Nashville thing. Because uh, I think, yeah, everybody's got a story to tell. And like, why not tell some, some of those stories? Mm, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's like you said, your mom had wanted to maybe put her, try her hand in this for a while. So like, you know, give her that opportunity to like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is something that like I could have done. Cool. Or yeah. like I am actually doing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's because of my parents that I'm still doing music. It's because of them that I did music in the first place. I mean, they have supported me every step of the way gone to a million like trips to Nashville with me and just they're they've always been a part of it but like kind of on the periphery and it's just so cool to have them be like actually a part of it okay awesome fantastic so a couple more questions a few more questions here so of course once again going back to the aspects of live music of course sometimes you might have a little bit of jitters some nerves before you take to the stage do you have a uh, pregame, a pre-stage routine to uh, help you get ready, to help you get through that? I just try to find someplace quiet, like right before the show, you know, like five minutes before I go on where I can kind of just like collect myself and talk myself through the fear and, and just kind of like pump myself up. When we were in Runaway Angel, we always kind of like got together as a group and like amped each other up to like go out there. But when I'm alone, I find I need like that moment just to center myself and and then I can like, all right, let's do this. Hmm. All right. So a little bit of a change up there then. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, hey. All right. All right. So of course, now we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, how you've grown and otherwise. So what is something that you're hopeful for? Ooh, I think I, I'm hopeful for what's to come. I think what cancer really showed me is life can just be so unexpected. And I mean, you can have all kinds of plans, but that doesn't mean they're going to happen. It really showed me, you know, as a control freak that, I mean, you kind of don't have any control and that's like a scary thing to recognize, you know, like losing that control freak aspect of it. So I mean, I think I'm just hopeful for what's to come and I don't have a lot of expectations. I just know what I want to do, what I'm excited about. And I mean, this is going to sound really strange, but I feel like since my transplant, the universe kind of guides me or, or talks to me in ways where it's like, I feel like I'm getting like this message, like this is what you need to do, or this is what you need to do now. And I just kind of go with it. And I don't really necessarily always understand why that's happening or why I need to do it, but I just trust that, that it's what I need to do. And then I'll, I'll find out in the end. And, and I mean, that's how I feel about my whole cancer experience is just that, you know, I, I didn't really know why I went through the things I did. But now as I'm starting to get some hindsight, I can just see how it changed me and it changed the way I view the world in like profound ways that never would have happened otherwise that I'm just so grateful for. So really, yeah, I'm just hopeful for the future, hopeful for whatever like adventures are around the corner. I'm down for anything. Hey, perfect. My next question was actually, what is something you're grateful for? So 
<laughs> I think you kind of covered it a little bit there too, but if you want to add something else, you can go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm really grateful for the spotlight that cancer put on fear. Um, for me, it just really made me recognize, you know, like when you think you're going to die, you don't regret like any of the things that you did. You only regret the things that you didn't do. And for me, it was like, it just made me see how many fear-based decisions I made in my first life and, and how much they affected, you know, my career trajectory and who I became as a person. And I was really angry with myself because it was just so clear that like I had missed out on some of the best chances in my life and the best opportunities just because I was afraid. And I promised myself like, okay, if you like live through this, you're not going to be afraid anymore. But I mean, obviously that's not how fear works and it's not a switch you can turn off. So, I mean, lo and behold, I find after my transplant that, you know, in some ways I'm more afraid than ever, but now I'm just so aware of it that I try to stop it before I make a decision based in it. And I try to sit down and think like, if fear wasn't a part of this equation, what would I do? What would my answer be? And just go with that answer, um, no matter how much it scares me. Oh, wow. Wow. Very powerful. My goodness. All right. So what does the future uh, potentially hold? Is there new music? Is there uh, maybe some more concert dates? What does the uh, rest of 2022 hold for Cadence Grace? Yeah, I'm playing a couple gigs in August and September. I'm playing an all-female festival called Harmonia Fest in Uxbridge, which I'm super excited about. And I'm playing at the Bronson Theater Center in Ottawa on September 3rd. But mostly I've just been writing like all summer. I felt like almost as soon as I kind of got past that trauma and the walls started coming down, it was like song, song, song idea, song idea, like just couldn't even like stop it. I just felt so inspired by so much. So I've really been trying to write and, um, you know, going back to like those fear-based decisions, like, I mean, one of the things I regretted the most was not moving to Nashville when I was younger, because I was just so afraid of what it would be like to be there alone and be without my family. And I just stopped myself from doing it. So as soon as, you know, I, it looked like I was going to live, I kind of said to my husband, like, oh, we're buying a place in Nashville, just like it's happening. <laughs> And he was just so great about it, right? Because, you know, I think he can see that I just view things so much differently now. So we got a condo down there and I'm really looking forward to kind of getting in a routine of, you know, spending a week or two in Nashville every month and writing and just being a part of a community that loves music as much as I do. All right. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So, of course, we've talked about you getting back into music, the process of it and otherwise. What I want to know is through that exact specific process of getting back into the music, crafting and formulating these new tracks, how have they helped you to grow as a person or what have they taught you about yourself? I mean, I think one of the things that I've been doing a lot, I, I mean, you, in the band, I got really used to co-writing and we'd go on like Nashville trips and, and write songs together. And so I hadn't written really like many songs alone in, in a lot of years. So what I've been doing a lot is trying to write out how I'm feeling just like alone, like this is me. And I'm just finding, I'm coming up with stuff that I think, you know, you would never write in a co-writing session because it's so personal and so vulnerable, but it's also just so healing to like get it out and, and find a medium for it to be outside of yourself and even to share you know, I've been sharing like some of those songs online and, and the responses that I get from people 
saying like, oh, I can relate or, oh, I feel that way too. It's just so empowering because you just feel less alone. So I think it really showed me, you know, yeah, you can write commercially, you can write for radio and, and you can do all of those things, but you can also write just for yourself again. And, and I hadn't been doing that for years and it's just, it's been a real gift. Well, I thank you for uh, sharing these gifts, these lessons, as well as the tale behind this new single, Don't With Us Here Today. If the fans want to connect with you, Cadence, what's the best way to do so? Oh, well, I'm on like every social media network, but you can uh, find me at cadencegrace.com. All right, perfect. And I'm sure you can find all the links there. I'll put some down below in the description to today's show as well. Cadence, thank you so very much for joining us here to share your story on the DTP. Oh, thank you so much, Colton. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. It's been awesome. Oh my goodness, Ambush. Wow. What a conversation. Um, a powerful one at that, I think, I feel. Uh, I hope that you feel the same way. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation with today's incredible guest, Cadence Grace. You can go ahead and find Cadence's new single, Don't Over, on your favorite music streaming service. If you like what you hear, you can go ahead and share the single. If you like what you heard with this interview, you can share the interview as well. Why not? Share it on your social media. Take a screenshot. Let us know what your favorite moment was. Take me and Cadence Grace in when you share it. Of course, you can find Cadence on your favorite social media under Cadence Grace. You can find the Desert Tiger Pod, and you can also find me under the Colton G. If you do so, we would love to hear from you. Love to know that you're loving what you're hearing. You can also help us out by giving us a five-star review by going over and checking out the DTP's web store which is www.deserttiger.shop. And uh, yeah, thank you to Danny Strong for setting up today's interview. Uh, thank you to German over at ypeditor.com for making it all sound so good. And now we leave you with this. Go out, find your roar, and then let it out into the world. For you are a mighty tiger. You are wondrous. You are powerful. You are beautiful. You are all of these things. Oh, so much more. Never forget this. And until next time, am Bush. Bye-bye. The Desert Tiger Podcast.